Hey there. Thanks for checking out the podcast. You're listening to Blissful Prospecting. My name is Jason Bay, but you can call me JBay. And this podcast is for sales reps and sales teams who love landing big meetings with prospects. But when they go to write a cold email or put together uh, you know, a pitch for a cold call, let's say they're not quite sure what elements should be in there and they kind of feel like they're starting from scratch every time. So if that's something that you relate with, you're definitely going to like this episode. So this is part of a series that we're calling the skills series. I know, super creative. And what we talked about before this in the previous episode, if you didn't get a chance to talk about it, was a framework I call the perfect uh, fit identifier. So essentially what that does is helps you go beyond, is this company or person a good fit? And we look at the values. So how do we find out what a company or person values so that we can use that in our messaging? Well, the next step to that and what we're talking about today is the reply method. So why do you need a structure for emails? Well, the number one complaint that I hear around cold email is, hey, I'm getting really you know, low response rates. The second thing that I hear is these emails take way too long to write. So what I wanna give you is a repeatable structure that you can use to increase those response rates. So get into those double digit response rates. And then also something that's like really repeatable. So like what parts of the email can you templatize? Um, what part of your talk track can you templatize and that sort of thing. So the structure I'm gonna run you through, again, it's called the reply method. There's an actual like long version of this guide written out if you wanna see examples. And that's linked up in the show notes right from your podcast player. You should be able to open up and click on it or go to our website, blissfulprospecting.com and then go to the reply method at the top. It's ungated. You don't need to give an email or anything like that and check it out. Okay, so let's talk about this. So I think one of the big things to understand is that you know cold email response rates are incredibly low across the board. The industry average is around 1% response rate to cold email. So Clearbit did a really big study on it and pulled a lot of sales teams and just looked at how people use different tools that interact with Clearbit. And it's around 1%. And the reason for that is a couple of things. And I want to go into each part of the reply method here. So the first part, the R, so reply is an acronym, R stands for relevant results. So where people tend to miss up with this is as a prospect, what I want to know is like, hey, what's in it for me? That's the very first question I'm going to ask myself when I get a cold email. Like what in here is in it for me? And what we need to do is get them interested. So we need to get them to go from, hey, what's in it for me to this looks interesting. Not, hey, I want to take a meeting with you or buy your stuff necessarily. We just need to get them interested by showing something that's relevant to them. So where we can mess up again is by sharing case studies of companies that are not related to them. So if you're reaching out to software companies and you send a case study of some work you do with a professional services company, or you're reaching out to CMOs and you share a case study of some work that you did with someone in operations or in sales, they're not going to really see the relevance there. So results are the universal language in business. We need to focus on the results our solution creates and the problems that it solves. Do not talk about your solutions, features, or benefits, and avoid sharing unrelated case studies or social proof with prospects. So let me give you an idea of like what this sounds like. So in a cold email, uh, so I'm just going to give you an example of like one that I got. So this person was sending me something about influencer marketing, and they said, uh, hey, 
you know, this is the last call to learn about how we're turning influencer marketing in a scalable media channel for some of the biggest brands on the planet, including Google, Spotify, and Uber, and how our insights could be relevant, uh, relevant, excuse me, for blissful prospecting. Um, you know, we're not a fortune 100 company, right? So I don't relate to Google, Spotify, like Uber, they could have talked about training and consulting companies instead. So one of the things that uh, you can do to make it a little bit more relevant is be really picky about the case studies that you share and the results that you talk about. Make sure it's relatable to that person and the company. So a good example of that. So this is like a, you know, a one liner, two liner uh, sentence. Yeah, it looks like two lines that we used when we were prospecting into nonprofits to help them with their corporate development. So I just said, hey, we connect nonprofits with decision makers at organizations who can support their mission. With our help, Keeper Breast Foundation has partnered up with companies like REI, Victoria's Secret, and Tilly's. So any nonprofit that sees that is going to be like, okay, cool. They work with nonprofits. They're using language like support their mission. So they're using language like I relate to instead of grow revenue, which nonprofits don't say. And I'm also talking about how we help them partner up with companies that the nonprofit I'm reaching out to would probably also like to uh, partner up with. So relevant results, that's the big piece. Like you need to talk about stuff that's relatable to them, that is about the results or the problems that your solution helps them overcome and not about features and benefits. Okay, so that's relevant results. The E stands for empathy. So empathy is one of those things where I mean, it's like a a buzzword, unfortunately, right now, which kind of sucks. But the empathy piece is really important because we need to show the prospect that we understand their world. So when the prospect gets a cold email, they're immediately looking for signs that you're not one of them. So technical uh, personas, you know, especially like, you know, IT or technology uh, personas, like typically when they get outreach from salespeople, they're literally thinking like, dude, you're not one of me. Like you don't get me. Like I'm a technical person. You're a salesperson that's like extroverted, et cetera. <laughs> so there's all these assumptions that get made. Like we need to flip that and get them to feel like, oh, cool. This person speak in my language. Like, like they get it. And feeling understood is a fundamental aspect of effective communication. So the prospect expects that you know about their job, their responsibilities and any problems they might be facing. So you, you have to show them that. So there's three ways that you can do that. Um, so one, you can talk about their pain points, frustrations, or challenges. So you can say, Hey, you know, I talk to a lot of people like you. And one of the things I hear is this, right. Or, Hey, you know, that when you go to do this thing, it can be really frustrating when this happens. And I'll give you some examples here in a second. So we can point to a pain point, frustration, or challenge. Um, we can also do client interviews if we don't know what those challenges are. That's a topic for another podcast, but one of the things you can do in short, is look at the clients you've closed in the last 90 days and see if you can do an interview with them and ask them what kind of problems they were having before they decided to use your solution, whether that's a product or a service. The other thing you can immediately doing moving forward, if you're doing full cycle sales and you're doing the actual sales calls and the discovery calls is start paying really close attention when prospects talk about their problems, like literally transcribe and write that stuff down word for word. The third element to this is It's really important not to be assumptive about their challenges and reference what you hear from others like them. So in other words, you don't want to say, hey, Jason, I'm on your website and I can see you're having a challenge with this. So unless you can actually see it and point it out to them, uh, don't use that type of language. What you could say is something like, you know, hey, I talk to a lot of people like you and oftentimes what I hear is that this is a challenge. 
I always like to use the analogy of a personal trainer. Like if you're trying to get a personal training client, going up to someone and saying, hey, you're overweight, you could use a personal trainer. That's not going to be a very effective way of getting a hold of that person, obviously, right? So the same thing applies here. So what you want to avoid is I hear emails like this a lot. My company provides content marketing services for businesses, and we're always looking for quality websites we can partner with to publish content. And it would in turn publish your content on another site. Um, there's nothing in that email about like me and like what I'm going through. There's no language in there that I uh, resonate with. And it doesn't talk about a problem or a challenge that I might be having related to content. Like what they could have done instead is said, hey, I don't know if you're like a lot of small businesses and especially people that run training companies, but content is usually one of the big pieces of attracting new clients. And the problem is that, as you know, it can take a lot of time to develop a lot of really great content. One of the ways that we're helping companies like yours is by taking all of the content that you create that takes like such a long time and making sure that other people see it and you get more eyes and ears on it. Yeah, something like that would be something that I would relate to. So empathy. So what we need to do is make sure to talk about a challenge or problem or pain point or something that we can show them that we know their world. That's E. So, so far we got R, relevant results, E, empathy, the P is for personalization. So again, I could do a whole podcast on personalization, but I'm gonna give you kind of the summary here. So what you need to think about with personalization is we need to provide context and we also need to show that our outreach was intentional. So the prospect needs to go from, you know, delete, this is clearly a mass email blast or mass outreach to, oh, okay, this person did their homework, like I'm flattered, right? So mass outreach is affordable to everyone now. So in order to stick out in the inbox, you got to do more than just like putting in some merge tags like their job title or their first name or their company name, because literally this is accessible for like 20 bucks a month. You can send like mass blast emails. So they're getting all kinds of stuff from all over the world, literally all over the world. And some of the people you're reaching out to are getting a hundred plus cold emails per week. So this is the way that you can really stick out. So there's three parts to this. So one is you want to personalize your outreach to provide context and a connection to the customer's problem and solution. And I'm going to give you some examples of that here in a second. The second thing is there's really two parts to this. So we need to talk about like what we saw and why it stuck out to you. And it needs to be relevant, specific, and conversational. So the part of the email, if you're getting started with this, that should be personalized is like the first couple sentences. So when you're doing a cold call, and you know, you, maybe you do a permission-based opener. You say, hey, do you got 30 seconds for me to tell you why I'm calling? And you could let me know if you want to keep chatting. And the person says, yes. So this is those first couple sentences that come out of your mouth should be something about them. So again, it should be relevant to their world. It should have to do with why you're reaching out. So we can't do something like, hey, I saw that you're a Dodgers fan. And then we start talking about something completely different. It needs to be specific. So it can't be copied and pasted for another prospect. And then it needs to be conversational as well. So the places that we can look are the prospect's website, LinkedIn profile, and Google News. So there's all kinds of different triggers and all that other stuff. And that's an episode for a, a whole podcast all in and out. But I want to give you some good and bad examples. So this email that I got started out like this. Hey, Jason. I saw you're the co-founder and chief revenue officer at Blissful Prospecting, and I wanted to reach out and ask if you're looking to improve your training tools and outcomes. So 
This email is actually pretty relevant to what I do because it has to do with like training and coaching, but there's no actual personalization in here. So yeah, they used my first name and they said, and they mentioned my job title and company, but they didn't say anything like, um, Hey Jason, um, saw that you're doing some really cool things at Blissful Prospecting. Uh, those clients A, B, and C that you're doing work for look like really cool companies. And I imagine working with these companies, one of the things you probably want to do is make sure that these, uh, when you're doing training with them, that they really retain the information so that they get better results. That's something that would really grab my attention. If they pointed out specific clients that I talked about on my website or testimonials, like something to show me that, you know what, like this email could be sent to another company that does training just like mine. And they could just fill in the blanks with the job title and the, and the name and the, and the company name. So what you can do instead is something like this. And I'm going to read this email off. And again, this guide is on the website. If you want a your more visual version of this. So this guy wrote me an email. He's from a company that I'll give a shout out to called refract and refract is like a call um, call recording software um, so that you could do call coaching and stuff like that. So this honestly is like not the best email that I've ever seen, but it like really compelled me to uh, want to respond to it because the personalization was so good. Um, he said, Hey Jason, I had a look at your website and after diving a little bit deeper into how you're helping BDB companies and nonprofit organizations, uh, to teams to be more successful with prospecting, I couldn't really help not getting in touch. I also see you follow Refract, so maybe aware of the benefits already. So again, at the top there, um, he's pointing out the fact that we work with B2B companies, but specifically nonprofit. That's the one that to me showed that he actually looked at our website because that used to be one of our client verticals we would work with a lot. That would be something that would hard to put, be hard to put in a template. And then he says, notice that you specialize in coaching and one-on-one workshops, and I'm really keen to understand how you're currently conducting these. And it'd be great to share a few ideas about how other sales consultants are demonstrating their proof of impact and reinforcing their coaching remotely. Have you got 10 minutes this week or next for a quick call? P.S. I'm also a big fan of the UFC. What did you think of the Khabib Poirier fight? So he saw on my LinkedIn profile that I'm a fan of the UFC as well. So he threw that in there. And that was like a P.S. It wasn't like the beginning of the email was like the UFC thing, right? So he threw something in there just to show like, hey, dude, I did my research. So personalization, very important. The key there is you want to look for something that's relevant, specific, and then conversational. So show the prospect that it's not an email template. All right, the L. L is for laser focus. So the point here is, well, then we need to get to the point. (laughs) You know, prospects need to go from like, hey, delete, don't got time for that, or, you know, archive or skip, you know, the email to, oh, wait, what was that? So I don't know if you've ever deleted an email by accident before and you're like, oh, dang, I need to find that email. Um, That's exactly what you're trying to do here. So prospects are super, super busy these days. And I already mentioned like the email volume that some of these people might be getting. But the average person's also exposed to over 4,000 plus advertisements per day, too. Yeah, and this is a combination of retargeting ads. It's stuff that people see that are you're so desensitized to that you don't even think about right? When you're on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever, there's so many ads that are in the window that you don't even think about. Um, This is like walking around outside and seeing billboards. It's walking into a grocery store and seeing multiple stuff. I mean, people are exposed to thousands of these ads per day. 
So your direct competitors aren't your only competition. You're also competing with all the other advertisements out there, the things vying for the prospect's attention. So there's a couple of really good, um, easy things to think about here. So number one is keep the messaging concise. Cold emails should be less than 120 words, and even 120 words feels a little lengthy to me nowadays, but three to five sentences is ideal for your emails. You want your voicemails to be less than 30 seconds, and with your cold call opener, like it really needs to be like a 15 to 30 second kind of thing, you know? So once the prospect gives you permission to explain why you're calling, like you need to get that out in like 15 or 30 seconds, like get to the point. The second part to this is be clear with your call to action and limit it to one. So don't have multiple asks. So if your ask is to get a meeting, don't ask, well, what did you think of our content? Or, hey, I'd like to send you a case study. Here's the link. Do you have time to meet? Like keep it to one thing at a time. So think about the purpose. If that email is to get them to look at a piece of content or a case study, make that the call to action. Don't also ask for a meeting. Like make it really, really, really super easy for the prospect to see what it is that you want them to do. Another way of thinking of this is the third part is ask yourself like, hey, does what I'm sending the prospect help them see the results that we could create for them? Does it help them me empathize with them and show them that I know about the problems they might be facing? Or does it provide more context through personalization? If it doesn't do one of those three things, like just, just get rid of it. It's just filler. So I get a lot of emails that are like so long and they start out with things like, hey, Jason, my name is so-and-so with so-and-so company. Like those are lines that you can just complete, uh, completely delete. What you really want is like something that's like super short, you know, choppy, um, like this email here um, that we sent to a nonprofit. Oh, actually, I'm looking at it here. It was uh, one of our clients. They help companies get uh, funding financially. So they were reaching out uh, to these investment groups to help them secure money. And this is one they got a uh, um, a response to. It's 90 words. It said, hey, Stephen, saw on your website that you have allocated over $150 billion in capital collectively. That's super impressive. So personalization. I mean, honestly, it's not the best, but it's like something very specific off their website. We help investment groups secure capital for new deals, refinancing, and acquisitions. Not every company is a fit for our help, but ABC Company is similar to a regional developer who we helped acquire and rehab a 500-unit building. Case study linked here. The next time you need capital with competitive rates and terms, we can help you secure financing. Interested in chatting further. Short, sweet, to the point, all that stuff. And make sure to look at the guide if you want some visuals on the emails. All right. Lastly, the why is for you oriented. This one's pretty simple. So we need to make the prospect the hero. So the prospect needs to go from, hey, dude, I get it. Like you think you're really awesome and your company is awesome. And then we need to get them to flip to, oh, this could like really help me be a badass. These people don't think they're badass. They want to help me be a badass, right? There's a big difference between those two things. So your prospects, especially C-levels and VPs, um, they don't really care about you. They don't care about your product or service. They don't care about your company. Like they don't care about any of those things. They care about themselves and how they can be better. So what you can do do and think of this and something actionable is like use you and your more than you use I. So I'm not saying to never use I in an email, but be really conscious of like if you see three or four sentences that start with I and like what you want, that's a huge tell to the prospect that you don't really care about them. Think about when you're talking in a conversation and you say, I, I'd like this. I can see this. 
I did this. I would like for you to do this. I want my name. And, you know, it's like it's it's a lot of like me oriented language versus you oriented language. So tell the prospect what's in it for them. So what that might sound like is like, like if we had a sentence like this or an email that sounded like this, like, hey, saw on your website that you have been developing powerful new weapons in the fight against PAD for over 10 years. Super impressed. So this is a cold email our client sent. Um, they help with like this medical devices technology. So they're reaching out to these like medical companies. Then it says, we help companies like ABC connect your medical devices to the cloud. This isn't a fit for every product, but you're similar to a client. We help become connected in just a few weeks. If you're looking to connect your devices to the cloud or having challenges of doing so, we might be able to help you out. So a lot of yous and yours. There's actually, it looks like five in that email and only one use of the word I. Cool. So how does this all come together? So the way that you want to structure your cold email, so you could think of that, you know, reply, relevant results, empathy, personalization, laser focus, you oriented. You can think of that as a checklist or a bullet point list of things your email needs to include. But if you want like kind of more of like an order to follow, I would do this. So with cold emails and then the, your cold call pitch too. It's first name and then it's personalization, empathy, and results. So it kind of goes in reverse order there. So start with the personalization because that's about them. Start with the empathy because that's also about them. And the relevant results are a little bit more about how you can help them. So keep that in mind. Personalization, empathy, results. Go in that order with your cold emails. And then go in that order with your cold calls as well. And if you go in that order, again, you're making it about them. And you're starting with them first, which is the most important part. Um, so that's it for the episode today. Uh, make sure to check out the full reply method guide on our website. And again, it's linked up in the show notes right in your podcast player. Or you can go to blissfulprospecting.com and click on the reply method button at the very top. So hopefully this helps when you approach your cold emails. There's also links at the very bottom of that reply method page to me talking about this on other podcasts, doing webinars, and all that good stuff. So thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you later.